We are back for a new episode of the Ameriport Podcast. Of course, I am Jason Foy. As always, I am joined by Daniel Galvan as the calendar has turned over to 2024. Hopefully, everyone had a great New Year's Eve, New Year's Day celebration. I know uh, I had a pretty good weekend over here outside of the Bucks not being able to get a, a W, but we had a good broadcast and uh, had a good overall time over the past couple of days. Daniel, how's things going with you, man? Things were great, man. I was able to celebrate the New Year's with some family. But uh, every everything in life comes with a cost because now I'm sick. So that's what I get for being a family man is, is getting a cold, which I'm totally fine. But, uh, yeah, a great way to start the year, Jason. It's, it's going around, man. I mean, it's, I mean, I can tell you, man, I can't tell you how many people I know. I'm like, I can knock it on wood that I'm still feeling. I, I, I've not caught anything. So that's, uh, that's kind of a, a nice thing. And, uh, but yeah, man, last, uh, like I've said this, man, I love these couple weeks break that we have with no MMA here, at least MMA here in the United States. And, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately I did watch that, uh, complete ass whipping that Georgia put on Florida state on Saturday. And then, uh, they ended up going out and, uh, watching a little bit of the uh or a good amount of the Detroit and Dallas game at the end sitting at a bar next to uh two Detroit Lions fans was kind of an interesting of how that thing played out at the end of the game but uh, we've got to talk about here on this edition of the podcast uh we got four main topics here on this episode of the podcast we're going to talk about the MA audience outside of the United States of course I think sometimes we're we can be a little bit biased in terms of that of being here in the United States, we'll talk about Conor McGregor announcing that he will return an international fight week on June the 29th against Michael Chandler. That will be at 185 pounds. We'll give you our January draft of our best fights, as myself and Dan will both draft five fights here. Of course, we only have two UFC events here in the month of January. Also, we're going to talk about which UFC champions will still be UFC champions when we hit the end of this calendar year. Plus, I got an interview with a rising prospect there out of the Michigan scene that's going to be headlining Lights Out Championship 14. That'll be coming up at the end of the show. But, you know, Daniel, it is that time of the year. It's the beginning of the year. I, I don't know if you're a big New Year's resolutions type person. Generally speaking, I am not a huge New Year's uh, resolutions type person. I will say this year is a little bit different for me because it, it has been a, a a lot of change going on in my life over the past couple of months. And you know, to me, I would say this: my New Year's resolution, outside of trying to lose weight, I think which all of us are trying to do, I'm just taking things one day at a time. But I will say this: here is my New Year's resolution for mixed martial arts because we are a mixed martial arts podcast. Can we just get the fights we want to see? Yeah, man. What are some of those fights you want to see this year in 2024? Chris Cyborg versus K.O. Harrison right, right off the top. <laughs> and that's a pretty notable topic because of some of the tweets you've seen today. And it, it's not only that one. I mean, think about this past year of the fights that we missed out on. And Ganu Jones being the biggest one. If 2024 is the year where we get all the fights we want, it'll be a glorious year. But... The only thing we got on the docket now is we know Connor's going to fight, or at least that's his plan to fight in 2024. He's probably going to fight Michael Chandler. Uh, but, Jason, I, I think that's a solid one. I, I think in all likelihood, that resolution, like pretty much everyone's, will be broken. I don't think we're going to get the fights we want to see. It seems like Kayla and Cyborg are having a tough time getting in the cage. Jones and Ganu, I don't know if that's going to happen in 2024. I don't know. What are, the, what are some of the other, like, Big fights you kind of want to see in the year. Jones Aspinall. 
That one is not going to happen. You know John Jones is going to retire as soon as he beats Stipe. As soon as he beats Stipe and he sees Tom Aspinall coming around that corner, Jason, he's going to break your resolution. Well, what else we got? What else we got? I'm just I'm just bursting your bubble. Mahacha versus Gaethje? That's a good one. That's a good one that I want to see. I mean, maybe we'll see uh, uh, Mahachev retire. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that as we do go forward in this podcast. But mentioning about that Chris Cyborg tweet from earlier today, she tweeted, or someone controlling her her Twitter account, who knows whether it was her or maybe her manager, but it says, quote, I am disappointed to hear that after Peter Murray offered me the date and location for a fight against Kayla, and after we accepted the bout, that she has now declined the offer. And this is why I sum up this tweet, Daniel. Can we get the other two sides of the story? Yeah. Yeah. Because you get an offer and you accept it doesn't mean the other fighter's obligated to take it. It's a fight negotiation. We don't know the other side of the story yet. For all we know, Kayla Harrison has a justified reason for not accepting the fight. That's what a fight negotiation is. It's not a fight dictation or one fighter dictates the conditions of the other. I mean, that's kind of how it happens if you're the A-side. If you're Conor McGregor, you dictate the conditions to your opponent. But for Cyborg and Kayla Harrison, this is a rare instance where both fighters are convinced that they are the A-side. They are convinced that they are the alpha female in this equation. When in all likelihood, this is an A-side versus an A-side fight in terms of which fighter has leverage, in terms of which fighter has name value, in terms of who is the fighter the public is interested in watching see fight. Both fighters are on equal footing, and more often than not, when we see big-time fights, there's a clear A side. There's a clear B side. In this situation, Jason, both fighters think they're the top dog. I would be interested for someone to tell me that Kale Harrison's the A side of that fight. And, and just to say, please explain. I, I think the A side of that fight in terms of Kayla's is, is Kayla's home territory. She's the biggest star in the PFL before they signed Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. And I'm not saying she's the A-side, but what I am saying is she believes she's the A-side. Yeah, you know what I mean? The, she's, she's not. Uh, in my book, she is not the A-side of the fight. It, but it doesn't come down to who do you think is going to win the fight when I say A-side no, of the fight. No, no. What I'm talking about is who who is the bigger draw. And to me, it's clearly Chris Cyborg. I mean, look, it's a... It's a fight that I hope we see happen in, in 2024. I, I did see on Excellent earlier today, uh, Arrow was doing his show, and he talked about February 24th is the date he's hearing about this potential Bellator versus PFL card, mentioning it being in Saudi Arabia, which I think may be one of the biggest stories when we talk about combat sports as we move into 2024 now is how much will Saudi Arabia be, be a part of – how this thing plays out in terms of mixed martial arts. I mean, and, and we obviously we've already seen with boxing who, you know, I mean, I guess another big story will be is do we see Francis Ngannou inside the PFL cage in 2024? Yeah, that is absolutely a big story. And it's just a matter of like, when's Jake Paul fight in PFL? When's Francis fighting? When's, When's these big free agent sightings actually getting in the cage? And that coincides with seeing the fights you want to see. I, I think we will see Francis fight in the PFL in 2024 only because it would be a pretty big 
like it would be a wet it would just suck if you're the PFL and you don't get Francis in the cage. That's got to be your priority for the for the year. If you're going to do this high profile signing, it's like imagine an NBA team or better example, imagine a major league baseball team signing Yamamoto, that pitcher from Japan, mm-hmm. and he doesn't pitch for 2 years. It, it, it's about as fe- as effective as as a wet fart. So yeah, I agree with you. In terms of like my resolutions, the easy one is for the UFC, and they aren't going to follow it. And you already know what I'm going to say. Please resolve to stop running in the apex. That ain't going to happen. No, it's not. Apex cards are are here to stay. They're they're not going anywhere. Oh yeah, that ain't that ain't going to happen. Uh, my other resolution is to just stop, um, like figure out the Twitter algorithm. So I stop seeing stuff that pisses me off on my for you page. So I stop seeing the threads. So I stop seeing thirst trap selfies, uh, from certain journalists. It's just like these things I don't like. I don't like these things on my for you page. And it's probably because I clicked on it in the first place. The algorithm's telling me that I like it, but I don't like it. I clicked on it because I kind of disliked it. And now it's just a circle of annoying stuff. I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the things I really notice about whether I go on my for you tab or my following tab on X, it's just like, there are just some people who constantly tweet about this sport that I go, do you hate mixed martial arts? Because I swear they can never tweet anything positive. And it, it, it is not just MMA. I get that also in the wrestling community, like in terms of the tweets I see on my for you page mm-hmm. and also like, like the, like any community, I think has a kind of like a toxic self-hating behavior that gets the traction online. And it comes down to what we like clicking on. It's kind of like, you know, Jason Whitlock uh, got real viral the other day. <laughs> I saw those. this earlier today. <laughs> For those that basically it was like he was complaining about an ESPN advertisement that had a really provocative T-shirt advertisement. And he kind of self-owned himself because ads are based on your own search history. You know, it's it's uh, a five-year-old looking up Yo Gabba Gabba will not see that T-shirt. But if you look up hardcore pornography, you might. So, I mean, the, the For You page is just like – it's, it's like that too. We like that stuff. At least subconsciously, we like to pay attention to it. And then it just feeds itself. And then we hate ourselves. The barstool headline about it is Jason Whitlock, unaware of how Google advertising work, wants to know why he's getting targeted ads about someone being balls deep inside of him. Yeah. Great. And, you know, and, and that's the internet in a nutshell. It's targeting, but sometimes targeting goes wrong. Sometimes targeting gives you a social media feed you dislike. And yeah, X is a big part of my daily life in terms of like I'm constantly checking my phone. But in my new years, I'm going to try and resolve to spend less time on it because I find that oftentimes the stuff on it makes me upset because I'm seeing people that are upset, voice their opinion, or people that are outraged. And there are right reasons to be outraged, obviously, but – when you're outraged every single day for every single aggression, it's very annoying. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. And look, I'm not here to sit there and, and say the UFC is 
doing things right for fighters. I, I'm not going to say, you know, there, there's good and bad things they do. It's just, it's, it's one of these things in, in the coverage of mixed martial arts. That I just go, man, like when someone deserves their flowers, you got to give them their flowers. But you know what? When someone deserves to get blasted about something, they should be blasted about something. I just there's just certain people who cover this sport that I just think they either go one way or the other. Either they're just all always anti UFC, or you know the UFC is the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's like eh, there's good and bad things with this, and, and that to me is it's just it's. But unfortunately, that is what media coverage is in 2024. Yeah, it's something I did really dislike and. It's um, it's like if you give me a topic and then you tell me what channel the topic is being discussed on, I can tell you what the tone of the conversation is about. You know, mm-hmm. I, if you tell me um, Joe Biden gave a speech, I turn on Fox News, yeah. I know it won't be a glowing review of the speech. They'll be tearing them a new one. And if I turn on CNN or MSNBC, I know that they will either be praising him or more likely than not talking bad about Trump. It's the same thing about anything where what I'm getting at is people have their opinions before they know the facts, before they know the information. And it's really boring to have these people have the same opinion over and over and over again, no matter what the opinion is. I'm someone that flip flops. But I already know what Aaron Rodgers thinks about vaccines and medication that is is normal. And not to mention, his, you know, to Jimmy Kimmel has a right to be upset about that one. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. I, I get annoyed about people where it's like, I already know what your opinion is about this. Mm-hmm. Because you have the same opinion over and over again. And you look to manufacture that opinion based on whatever information is available. It's very annoying. You know what I am disappointed that I did not do on New Year's Eve? He didn't, he didn't uh, play darts. So, uh, New Year's. No, I did not. Did I, did I go after again? <laughs> New Year's Eve was Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah. I went out for a little bit after the game. I went out for a little bit. Okay. After the game. I went out, I think, uh, I had some chicken wings after the game. And uh, I got I got home and uh, ended up, I, I needed to do some work for the next day. And uh, I watched the, the New Chappelle show. Um or Chappelle special on Netflix, which was pretty much uh, a lot of that material I saw, I saw when I saw him here in concert in Tampa, but I did, I forgot about the fact of I, till I saw it the next day, Anderson Cooper doing shots on live TV, which is, I mean, it's amazing TV and I missed it. I missed it. I can always get, I, I saw the clips on TikTok and Instagram reels though. And I like that, like that, difference in that human nature in Anderson Cooper, who you think of as his journalist, but he's also a human being and he lets you see that side. And that's what I like about people. Like people are complex. People are human. People like to kick back, have fun, do shots on live TV. And uh, that's generally why I like Anderson Cooper too. Uh, Yeah. I, I I didn't see that, but I will say this when we're, when we're doing personal resolutions, my big resolution, and I probably made it last year, but I'm going to stick to it this year. You know, I'm going to do a better job of covering non-UFC events. I'm going to do a better job of paying attention to the world outside the UFC and bring that to this podcast. This upcoming year, I'm going to do a better job of helping bring content to this podcast that 
viewers may not normally get, whether it be the look back on historical careers. But specifically, this upcoming year, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to make it a real effort to bring a little spotlight to the non-UFC, non-PFL, non-Bellator shows that I think are interesting. Yeah, and you, you texted me this the other day where you were talking about the fact of you know watching the rise of the show and seeing what Octagon MMA is doing and it, it, over in the Czech Republic, and, and you brought something to my attention that I did not know. Longtime fans of Bellator may remember the name Attila Vague, and then you go, hey, you realize he has over 400,000 followers on Instagram? I was like, and in my mind, I was like, it just kind of shows that while we are very much kind of u.s mma centric on this podcast that there is a huge following for mixed martial arts for these organizations like the octagon like ksw like ryzen and i don't know how many ufc fighters have four hundred thousand followers on ig yeah it shows you that in america we are in our own american bubble and there's a big wide world out there and in that big wide world they like watching men and women punch each other in the face. And you look at the pictures that came out of the Octagon 51 card in the Czech Republic, and it's a pretty packed house in a really big arena. And they are putting together a product that the Czech Republic cares about. Apparently, Attila Veg is a big star over there. Apparently, Attila Veg and Carlos Vemola are they have a great feud going on, and people are going to really want to watch the rematch. I was unaware of this, but when you see the Octagon card in, in Czech, when you see the KSW cards in Poland, when you see the Ryzen card in Japan that I saw this past weekend, and it was a really good card, spent 20 bucks to watch it, watched all the fights. I'll talk about some of the fights in a moment, but when you see all these things, it's a reminder that the perspective that the UFC gives you isn't the whole perspective on what is possible. You know, the UFC is set in their ways, and they do a damn good job, but they're going to go to places that pay them money to run shows. Mm -hmm. That is their business formula. Their business formula isn't, Mm -hmm. we're going to go to the most interesting places in the world for the consumer to watch a show. No, it's about who's going to give us the moolah before we even have to sell a ticket. And that is a cost to the consumer because we don't get to see these badass environments in the UFC, but fortunately, if we're uh, if we look for it, we can find it elsewhere. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, and, and I I did see uh, Rampage Jackson. I want to say it was on Instagram. Uh, you know, he kind of talked about you know what his his feelings on on MMA in Japan and kind of how how much different it is now as opposed to when he was over there. But I mean, I mean, look at what KSW is doing. I mean, they're putting fifty thousand people inside a stadium. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing well. They're doing well. I mean, and, and, and Octagon to me is reminding me of KSW in a big way. And I think it's just a matter of it's storytelling. They're communicating the stories of their own subset of stars and people are going out to see it. The other thing is I can't really speak to this because I don't know the cultures, but I do believe in some of these cultures. It's just a fun thing to do. Hey, night out at the Tokyo Dome. You know, night out at this arena, we're going to go see what's going on here. Oh, today it's boxing. Let's go check it out. It's a part of the culture to go out and check things out. Yeah. And, I mean, I, uh, I, yeah. 
I think the issue that, I mean, look, and who knows we ever see the UFC do a stadium show here in the United States. I mean, how, how long has it been talked about of, of them doing, whether it's, you know, a show at Cowboy Stadium and um, Allegiant Stadium. Of course, that's where the, the Las Vegas Raiders play at. That's been talked about. I just, I don't know if we ever do it, but just because of like, I mean, I mean we've talked about this plenty of times, is the cost to go to a UFC live event for a lot of fans is just not realistic. I mean, I, I remember when they did that Miami pay-per-view last year, and I saw those price points, and I was just like, could I buy that ticket? Yeah, I could have bought a ticket, but I I couldn't justify it. It makes you wonder what the price point is for these events. Is it more affordable to go to KSW? Is it more affordable to go to Ryzen? These are things I don't know the answer to. I don't know how similar it is to go to these shows if you're Japanese or Polish, the, to the way it is very expensive for us to go in America. And it's not just the UFC. It, it's, it's, it's basically every live event costs a lot of money, uh, concert, uh, entertainment show like Disney on ice, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Those tickets. I mean, it's, you need to go to the loan office to buy a couple of tickets. That's how expensive it is. So I'd be very interested if that ticket price translates to Japan, to Poland, to the Czech Republic, if I had to guess, it's probably not as pricey, but that's just a guess. But at the end of the day, you see Ryzen co-main eventing with Juan Archuleta, and they're selling a whole hell of a lot of tickets. And he, did, he was unable to make weight for that one and stripped of the title. Yeah, he was uh, very sick, apparently. And um, so he got stripped of the title. Very sick, and I can totally relate. I don't think I could cut weight. I just have a common cold. But... Uh, it was interesting how they marketed it, I think. I think this is how it worked. I'm not super sure. But when I go to like the Fight TV or – I can't remember. I think it was Fight TV. They had it kind of where it made it seem like Juan Archuleta was the main event, even though it was Kyoji Horiguchi. I think maybe to cater to the American audience. But, uh, yeah, Archuleta ended up getting knocked out with a knee. slash. It was like a head kick, but the knee knocked him out, and he lost to Kaya Sakura. So uh, tough loss for Archuleta, but he looked good until then. And I thought the thing that stuck with me the most is that Archuleta kind of talked to Japan. He's like, I felt like I owed it to you guys because you guys allowed me to rebirth my career. In, in, in a, and, and, and that is kind of what I liked about the Ryzen card. It was the stories we saw throughout. We saw a whole bunch of great stories. Kyoji Horiguchi going up against this 23-year-old flyweight named Shinryu, who's like 15-1. and one. Horiguchi gets the win. Shinryu doesn't want to fist bump him in the beginning. He no no respect for the youngster. So Horiguchi, well, he's got to teach him some respect, and he gets the win. And afterwards, he proposes to his uh, fiance, I guess, and she says yes. It's stories like that uh, that really get to me. Um, John Dodson lost on, on the card. He took on a dude named Hiramasu Ogikuba, and uh, it was basically a decision where Hiramasu outgrappled John Dodson. Um, Kid Yamamoto's sister, Miyu Yamamoto, retired. She's uh, 40-some years old. She took on a lady named Seika Izawa, who's undefeated 12-0, so a name to look out for. And I didn't write down what weight class she's in, but uh, she basically just tapped her with a real naked choke. And I think the two other fights that are worth mentioning um, are heavyweight matchups. One was uh, Mikiu Uida, Versus Sayoshi Sidorio. And Uida was a major underdog. Knocked out Sidorio with a head kick. And then lastly, Jason. Or actually, I got two other fights I got to talk about. 
One is I don't even know what this dude's name is, uh, but his last name's Tanabe. He's a heavyweight. He's a Brazilian, but he looks Japanese, so I don't know. And uh, he he has great jujitsu, and he won. And then the other thing is, let's talk about the broadcast. A couple of things. One, the commentators, Damian Brown, Joe Ferraro, they're very good. There was some stuff that I had questions about, like Joe Ferraro was doing this fight between this guy named Ota. I'm sorry, was doing this fight between uh, this guy named Kota and Kochi, and he was talking about Koji had a headbutt incident, and Joe Ferraro was like, but you already know about that. And I'm like, no, man, I didn't already know about that headbutt <laughs> incident. Joe, this is my first time tuning into Horizon. Let me know. And then the other thing yeah. is they're doing it from Australia and Canada, not in the arena, which is uh, – there's a big delay. You can tell it's noticeable. It's annoying. But Dan Brown's a very good commentator. And then lastly, something that I thought is interesting is in Ryzen, there's no post-fight interview. They just give the microphone to the dude and he just cuts a promo, whatever he wants to say. So it'd be interesting to see what that would be like in America as if the guys aren't interview. <laughs> Look at your face. Look Bro, at your face. You, <laughs> you have to cut Bryce Mitchell's mic You'll see that I think you need someone in the cage to pull that microphone away from them. But if you're a, a I mean, non-USA I mean, look, promotion. What do, you th- what do you think Sean Strickland's going to say? I mean, Bryce Mitchell will lead us in a whole prayer. I mean, I, you, I mean, literally, start thinking about some of these characters in the UFC. Do you want to give them a microphone and Sean Strickland, Colby Covington, Ian Gary? Like, yeah, that might be a little dangerous. Yeah, it, it might be. But if you're trying to be a, a newcomer to the market, that could be an interesting wrinkle to provide. Right, if you're the PFL, why be just like the UFC? Maybe steal from Japan and see what that's like, because it, it feels a little more free form. I, I you think know? you would have some very nervous TV executives. Yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. Uh, <laughs> It'd just be like, Oof. <laughs> Oof. yeah, you're, you're right. I, I'll but say this: I think there was a time where the UFC did a really good job of telling us a story yeah. of fighters before fight night i just don't think we get that like we once did because i think a lot of it is it's just moving on it's it's you know moving on to the next card and so you know you don't like you sit there and and say like you know like looking at the january 13th card i think one of the better fights in the card is ricky samon versus mario batista like you know telling the story of mario batista you know, and telling the story of Ricky Simone or, or Manel Cop or Matthias Nicolau, you know, of telling that, you know, of getting people more invested. I, I felt like the UFC five, six, seven years ago did a really good job of that. I just don't think we see much of that anymore. And the stories are there. Like in the fight between Kota and Koji, here's a story. Kota's father is the oldest professional soccer player. He's still playing. Okay. He's 56. Oh, wow. How does Kota lose via soccer kicks? I mean, that's just a nice little story. That's just and like every fight had a story kind of like that. Oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and there's the, something about the irony. Oh yeah, and there's something about like you have a lot of fighters like they don't have the best records, two and one, 
one fighter had like a losing yeah. record. But in Japan, the very first fight, one fighter had a losing record and he was taking on this other dude who had a winning record. But apparently that other dude started off like one in nine in his career and then won 11 straight fights. And then he lost to the guy with the losing record. So the cool thing about like Ryzen is like sometimes when you have dudes with low level, lower level MMA experience, they go out there and they throw some bungalows and they go crazy. And we had some crazy fights. Like uh, to me, the best fight was between these two guys named Ren, Ren Hiramoto and Ren Sugiyama. And uh, those two dudes just brawled. I mean, anytime there was space, they were going like freaking crazy. And a lot of these dudes and gals are like former kickboxers that start doing a little bit of mixed martial arts. But uh, overall, it was probably about a six, seven hour card. I watched it in two sittings. Uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I'm glad I watched the Ryzen card. Now, of course, also kind of happening right around that same time point was we got the Instagram video from Conor McGregor announcing that he is going to return June 29th, International Fight Week, against Michael Chandler, and it's going to be at 185 pounds, which I think was kind of uh, the big aspect of this one. And, uh, you know, it's uh, the first thing that really stuck out to me when I, I saw this announcement, Daniel, was the fact of... <coughs> International sorry, Fight Week's sorry. not going to be in July. When when did I thought when was the International Fight Week going to be this year? When did he say he wanted to fight? June. It's it's going to be June 29th. I mean, typically International oh. Fight Week is, is kind of right around July. the fourth Fourth of July, maybe a week after Fourth yeah. of July type situation. I thought that I thought that was kind of interesting, but uh, you know, it's one of those things with Conor McGregor. It's the fact that it's going to be at 185 pounds. I think is is something that really does stick out to you about that announcement. I did see that uh, Connor has opened up as a minus 120 betting favorite against Michael Chandler. I don't know. I, I don't know if Mike, if, if Connor should be the favorite or not. Well, is the fight going to happen at freaking middleweight? Yeah, that's well, that's what Connor says. He might, he might deserve to be the favorite if it's at freaking middleweight. I mean, can you imagine Michael at middleweight? That's a I, big. I mean, I guess the question to me becomes is. Is this Connor's thought process of he wants to fight at middleweight going forward, or is this a thought process of doesn't really want to cut weight for his first fight back? Once he kind of some of that ring rust off there, and then he ultimately goes down to I would imagine, I would think he fights at seventy. That'd be my my assumption. That that's ultimately where he ends up. Yeah, can you imagine him in there with Sean Strickland? I mean, he get his ass beat. Could you imagine what that pre-fight press conference will sound like? That would be uh, that'd be crazy. I mean, that would be. I would love to see that one. I really would. I mean, honestly, like I think Leon Edwards, Conor McGregor. If Conor's going to fight for a championship, that's going to be the one. Man, hat tip to theringer.com. They did this article yet on yesterday called. The complete timeline since Conor McGregor's last fight. Oh, Lord. They had different entries. They had entries about making the DJ spin from October 2021 where McGregor straight up cold cocked an Italian DJ named Francesco Facinetti for no good reason. I forgot about There's that. A- I, the, bro, you're going to start saying <laughs> some things. I just totally forgot that Conor's done in the past couple of years. There's an entry about getting popped for dangerous driving in April of 2022. You know, apparently he he got in a beef with the YouTuber. He called out Carl Froch. The moral of the story is 
this article has 60 different entries. In, in between that, Connor has called out like 15 different people. He's been arrested a couple times or at least alleged to have committed crimes. Obviously, we know about what happened in the Miami game. But there was also the one with the boat, the person on the yacht who feared for her life. Mm-hmm. And in this article, apparently, like her – oh, I should probably just look up the article and just double-check my facts. But um, she dropped her She dropped her, her suit, but apparently there were two incidents at her house from when she filed to when she dropped it. So I'm like, whoa, what's that? Like that's a little don't, sketchy. Don't I recall something along the lines of she felt threatened? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, well, that is not something I remember uh, seeing. He was also in court. He was also in court for the Habib Nurmagomedov situation. He was in court with Artem Loboff. Um, yeah, and still, that, that's still going on. I, okay, I just, so is- I found this article. What I love about it, so it's written by Chuck Mendenhall. So the the headline is the complete timeline since Conor McGregor's last fight, and then the um. You know, the, the verbiage under that goes, it's been nine, 906 messy, scandal-ridden days since McGregor last fought in the UFC, but the UFC's most controversial star has made plenty of headlines during his absence. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and here's the entry about the, uh, basically what it says about the lady uh, who, it says, suit against McGregor dropped. The Irish Mirror reports that the woman's home in Drimnall had been targeted twice in attacks since she filed her lawsuit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so we have a fight officially. Uh, True false. Does the fight actually happen? Oh, here's a more important question. I lean. Or actually, go ahead. I lean. True. Why the hell was this one not happening at USA 300? That is a big question mark. I saw that apparently they were that was kind of where they're going for, and it really leads kind of a question of what does UFC three hundred. I I think that I wonder as a fan base, are people's expectations for UFC three hundred just not reality? I just kind of feel like I think we're going to get probably two high level title fights on that card, and then I think it's just going to be loaded up with a bunch of names. And I, I think it's going to be I think the UFC is going to do what they can to make it a special event, but like. Outside of a, a Conor McGregor headlining it, who is the big, who's the big draw to bring it to have headline that show? I mean, who who do you sit there? I mean, if John Jones is not ready, as I look at all the rest of the champions, is Sean O'Malley the next best option? And he and and the thing is, UFC two ninety nine will is it might be better than UFC three hundred. Because O'Malley's headlining that's 299 right, yeah. against Marlon Vera. Yeah, that's right. And so, like, UFC 300 has to be better than UFC 299. It has to be the best pay-per-view of all time. And UFC 299 is pretty dope. So, to answer your question, the only people with name values, I think, could headline UFC 300. And in all likelihood, I don't think we're going to get anyone with that type of name value headlining UFC 300. I think we're going to end up getting Leon Edwards headlining UFC 300, I think that's what it's going to end up being. But, you know, I think you got to look at Islam Mahachev being involved in that card maybe because to me mm-hmm. he is the best pound-for-pound pound fighter. And so if it's not John Jones, it's Mahachev, it's Leon Edwards, it's, you know, maybe Alex Pereira can be involved. 
Um, and then you start looking at the Rolodex. You start asking, hey, Brock, you want to come back? Hey, Nate Diaz, you want to come back? Hey, uh, uh, George St. Pierre, you want one more fight against Leon Edwards? Hey, Colby Covington, you want to scrap with Jorge Masvidal? Hey, this is the big one. And this is the only there's 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 realistically there's only one non Connor fight the UFC can make that I think would justify headlining UFC 300. It's breaking the internet and figuring out how to get Francis in there. Yeah, I think that, that ship has sailed completely. Oh that, yeah, that that ship is in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> uh, and then the other one is: Can we get Ronda Rousey back in there? I, I, She's a free agent. I get that. Rousey Tate. We we saw how that ended. Rousey Tate will be fine. It's a safe opponent. Yeah, I I, I don't want to see Ronda against the top of the division. I mean, yeah. I mean we we saw how that thing ended. What about Thug Rose? What's she doing? Is she around? Uh, well, when I mean, she had that loss back in what September? I don't even see her in the top ten of her weight class. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I think it's just, it's one of these things where I think people are just not going to get super excited about whatever that main event is because, I mean, I mean, kind of, I almost do feel like it's going to be Leon Edwards against Bilal Muhammad. I mean, that, that's where you kind of feel like it's going. In. And hopefully uh, Bilal gets that title shot because he absolutely uh, deserves that. But as we look ahead to the month of January, we have two UFC events. Of course, we got the Apex card next weekend. Also, that we have UFC, uh, what's that, 297? Seven, yeah. I, I lose count of these cards, man. I, I lose count of these cards. But we gotta do our, yeah. we got to do our January draft, and uh, so we're going to each both uh, go with five picks, and uh, I'll let you go, Daniel, first. Who's going to be your first pick? Uh, to me, it's easy. You have to go with Strickland DDP. It's the biggest fight of the month, and it's not even close, buddy. I'm in total agreement with you. I don't. I don't know. How, I don't know how you would go with another fight. Yeah, I mean it's it's the main event. It's the main event of the main events. The only championship fight. Well, there's a there's there's one for the women's bantamweight championship, but it's the only like badass fight of of the month. Okay, I'm not trying to be an asshole here. Whoever wins that title is keeping getting the belt warm for Juliana Pena. Yeah, I mean, uh, you could talk me into Pennington beating Pena. Like, I'm not the highest on Pena is basically what I'm getting at. I, I think uh, as long as Pena is healthy, I think she she can roll through either either one of those ladies. Probably. It depends. Pena looked really bad against Nunez in that second fight. Yeah, I just. Like she I, she yeah, looked just, like somebody forgot to plug in the controller in that one. Yeah. So a, I, and I'll be honest, I have six fights listed on here. Uh-huh. Um. And that was not one of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I might have to pick it, <laughs> but it uh, might be it might be one of our last picks. Uh, I'll, my first one, I'll go Ankalive and Walker the rematch. Uh, noble matchup at, at two hundred and five pounds. I mean, of course, um, this two hundred five pound division. I mean, it's been up and down with the towel going from one person to another over the past couple of years. Uh, you know, the UFC is targeting doing Alex Bahia versus Jamal Hill. But uh, to me, you look at the rematch between Clive Walker, I think that's the second best fight um, when we look at these two UFC cards. So uh, what's number three? Because you got, you got a snake. Because it's, it's not fair for me to go again. Uh, I will say I will go Arnold Allen versus Evelev. 
Yeah, that's a hell of a fight too. I think there's three big. I mean, there's probably four really badass fights this this week this month. I think it's the middleweight championship fight. I think it's Ankaliyev Walker. I, I think it's Evlev Allen, and then I think it's Matthias Nicolau Manel Cop. I think that's the other one. I mean, Cop is must watch TV. He's yeah, the man. most exciting non-champion at flyweight, and uh, it seems like it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to compete for that championship. But Nicolau, it's a hell of a challenge. Number three, I'm going to go with Ricky Samo and Mario Batista. I just think that's a great fight at bantamweight. Both dudes are incredibly exciting. Sky's the limit for Simone, and Batista's going to bring it. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that's a great matchup uh, between those two guys. Um, I'll um I would have said that uh, Dom Reyes versus Carlos Olberg would be in my pick, but uh, I did see something on the other day that uh, Reyes kind of noted that uh, Olberg was going to be out of that matchup. My next pick is, you know, I like well, like we talk about New Year's resolutions. It's not just about having big fights. I want to see there's fun fights. I want to see. And give me Charles Jordan versus Sean Woodson. I think that's going to be a really fun matchup at UFC 297. I agree with you. I love watching Charles Jordan fight. I think Woodson's going to bring it. Yeah. Um, and, and next up, um, in my fourth pick, God, I hate to say it, but I'll, I'll go Pennington and Silva. Yeah, at some point, that fight had to, had to go off. I mean, it would have been malpractice because, uh, Jason, it's the week month. It is mm-hmm. a weak month, and it uh, and uh, it would be wrong for that one to, to go any later. Um, I'm going to go with the legend, my man, my future Hall of Famer, Jim Miller, uh, against Gabriel Benitez. And then my last pick, looking up and down these cards, I'm debating on if I'm going to go with this fight. Or that one, and I have decided that I'm going to just I'm going to go with the octogenarians. I'm going to go Andre Arlovsky versus Waldo Cortez Acosta. Will it be the best fight? I don't know, but Andre Arlovsky has been in the UFC since like Tito Ortiz and Randy Couture were champions. Well, I guess there was a big gap where he went to Affliction Strike Force, but uh, more of the story is he's a hardcore veteran. Give me the veterans. And this is kind of my last one, kind of be a little bit of, uh, you know, just because I've had great conversations with this fighter over the past couple of years. Uh, be a part of the Apex card next week. Marcus McGee taking on Gaston Balanos. Uh, Marcus McGee, of course, out of the lab there. A guy who got into the UFC on short notice and has made an impact here. Uh, so I will go there as my last one. But, I mean, look, it's it's not, uh, you know, a great month. Um, you know, but we're going to get into it, and uh, we'll see how this one does go forward. But, you know, as you talk about, obviously, Sean Strickland defending his titles. We look ahead to UFC champions who are going to be defending, who are current UFC champions, and will they re- be, still be UFC champions at the end of 2024? And I mentioned this question to Daniel. I said, who would be the UFC champion you'd be most surprised to see lose their title in 2024? And I told Daniel, I thought the easy answer is Islam Mahachev. I think the easy answer is Islam, for sure. There's just no one in that top 15 that I think is going to be able to beat him. He's just, he's the second coming of Habib. He just is. I think when you're looking at the other ones, I think John Jones is right up there. Yeah, I mean, I Tom Aspin also a, a hell of a challenge. But the reason why Islam is more surprising than Jones is because two reasons. Jones is older, 
so there's more room for possible error or aging. Two, Jones does dumb shit. So you just never know he's going to do some dumb shit. Uh, <laughs> and then, all right, so who's who, who would be number three? Who would be number three? Pantoja? That's not a bad one. I would go with – I would also go flyweight. Oh, wait. I would go strawweight, not flyweight. I think Zeng Wiley is the one I would put money on. I mean, she's like – like, who's going to beat her? Tatiana Suarez, maybe. Maybe that's the one. But other than that, I think Zeng handles the rest of that weight class. She's just on another level. So as we currently sit here, we have 10 UFC champions. Not yes, counting Tom Assall as an interim champion. And, of course, women's band of weight is a vacant title. If I said the number is two and a half of these fighters will still be champion at the UFC, which at the end of 2024, would you take the over? Would that have hit last year? I don't think so. We had a lot of changes last year. Yeah. I think two and a half is the correct number because I think there may have been two people who have held their championship. If, if my memory is correct... It's Volkanovski, it's Zhang, and also I think it might be Islam. Yeah, I mean Pereira, Helatal, but it was in a different weight class. Yeah, it doesn't count. It doesn't. It's got to be the same weight class. I think it's those three. If I had to guess, could be talking out of my ass. But, I will. You want to talk about? I'll give you a bull prediction. What's that? I see Volkanovski losing his title next month. I agree with you. I think. I think Volks. Volks, I think, at the the pass is prime, and uh, it happens to everyone. He's one of the best fighters of all time. Taporia is nipping at his heels. Volk has probably made some mistakes when it comes to mm-hmm. picking fights instead of taking your time and training. And I think it might catch up to him against Taporia. So yeah, I think the I think the featherweight will have a new championship. I think Bantamweight will have a new champion. I don't think Sean O'Malley is going to be able to fend off Mirab Davashvili. That's who I believe ends the year as champion. Flyweight, to me, I think Pantoja loses his championship. I do. Um, maybe it's Manil Kopp that takes it. I could see Leon Edwards losing his championship to Shavkat. You know? What about Strickland? What's your thoughts on Strickland? Man, DDP looks so good in his last matchup, and that's what really – and then I do kind of wonder about the mental aspect of this. Um, maybe the better question is, how many of these current champions will make at least one successful title defense in 2024? I think we'll probably see five defenses if I had to guess. You know, I think I think Pereira will probably have success as champion, and – and if I had just, it's been it's been a rotation of of the champions here past couple of years. Yeah, I think you're right, but Alex seems like the different different deal. He seems like the final boss in this light heavyweight class. I mean, he's just these dudes are going to stand and trade with him. He's going to put him to sleep. You know, it had to take Israel Adesanya's whole life being defined by losing to Pereira for him to focus enough to beat him. You know, mm-hmm. I I think. Here's my answer to the question. I think we're going to have four people keep their championships. I think Islam. I think Alex. I think John Jones. I think Zhang Wei Li. 
Oh, here's my fifth one. I think vacant. I think it will also still have a vacant women's bantamweight champion. I I, I think as long as she's healthy, I think Juliana Payne ends twenty twenty four as as your your women's bantamweight champion. Dude, if you're Aaron Blanchfield, why don't you just try and win two titles? Why don't you just try and win the flyweight and the bantamweight championship? Well, like the issue is the UFC is once they they don't. I mean, that's a Tatiana Suarez situation where they they've told Tatiana like you got to tell us what you got to pick a weight class. We we can't be going back and forth between these two. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it. I mean, look, that's what the UFC wants. May not be what the fighter wants, but that's what the UFC is going to want. Yeah, I I think the year ends out with Irene Aldana as the women's bantamweight champion. I like her. It, show. I mean, it very. I mean, look, it very well could be a division that we see a rotation of that title, like. Um, you know, we, we've seen it at men's light heavyweight. And I mean, I mean, here, here's almost a better question. John Jones fights in the UFC two times in 2024. True I think just once. I think just once. Because yeah. when are we going to see him in there? Midway through the year? Yeah, that would be my guess. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think he fights once more, he retires. Then he comes or, back, or, or do they just throw in so much money at him that it it gives him um, intrigue? I did I did find it interesting. You mentioned about Francis Ngannou earlier that, uh, and I sent you this clip from MMA Junkie where Eric Nixick talked about how he got paid more by Francis for the boxing match than he did. I, I think he said the two combined UFC title fights. I was like, wow, good for him, man. Good for him. He probably. I wonder how much he got paid. And he wasn't even the lead corner for the boxing matchup. Yeah. Doing but if, you just, if you get like a percentage of that payout, damn, that's a lot. It's a big ass payout. Good for him, man. Good for Nick Sick. Yeah. And I tell you what, dude, Cooper, Nick Sick, they deserve it. Look yeah. at the way Francis fought against the heavyweight champion of the world. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, that's a big, I mean, like you talk about storylines of, of 2024, like who does Francis and Ghanu fight next? Obviously not Wilder, unless it's in an MMA cage, but in the boxing cage, I don't think that's very interesting. I don't remember. Did Joshua just win his last fight? I believe so, yeah. Because it, it was it was Wilder who lost Ryan and Joshua Yeah, yeah, yeah. Won. Wilder lost a uh, decision. Yeah, so maybe, maybe uh, I mean, the money's in the Fury rematch in the boxing cage, but I think they're going to do Usyk and, and Fury. Uh, I don't know, man. Have they announced that? But. Because initially so. they were supposed to fight in December. Yeah. It, I don't know if they've announced it, but there's like when I type in Usyk Fury, there's like articles like every day. Uh, maybe they have announced it. Yeah, I mean, I would I would imagine that fight's going to happen in Saudi Arabia. That'd be my imagine. And the thing with Tyson Fury Usyk is apparently Eddie Hearn is saying Anthony Joshua's going to fight there. Yeah, I mean, I was just uh, on the ESPN app. Uh, it says Usyk date to be announced for the heavyweight undisputed championship. You know, my, you know who my favorite boxer is. Who's that? <laughs> I bet you don't even know his name. Uh, you're probably pound- gonna say someone that I have no clue who they are. Who's the pound for pound best boxer in the world not named Terrence Crawford? Oh, I was gonna say Terrence Crawford. <laughs> you no, know, that's number one. Terrence Crawford is one. Number two, my boy from Japan. 
Naoya Inoue. Okay. 26-0. The monster. Japan is having a – like, Japan has, like, the best baseball player in Otani, the best professional wrestler in Kazuchika Okada. Does it have the best MMA fighter? I don't know. Kyoji Horiguchi is pretty good. They probably don't have the best MMA fighter, though. It's Islam Mahachev. But uh, they may have the best boxer. What I like about this Inouye guy is, like, the dude – this is all, like, secondhand information. I don't know anything about boxing. I think I was just reading his Wikipedia article. (laughs) But apparently – his coach was like made him sign a contract and his contract just said you must fight tough guys all the time from the beginning of his career because he was a, a successful yeah. amateur boxer. So I'm like, I like this dude. So yeah, Inoue, shout out to Naoya Inoue, considered one of the best boxers on the planet. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would like to watch more boxing in, in 2024. I mean, I just think that it's just with everything kind of I have, I have going on in my world sometimes, that's a that's a little bit of a tough thing to do here. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Of course, uh, I'll be in Charlotte this weekend. Looks like it's going to be a little, a little chilly in Charlotte. It's like when we get there on Saturday, it's going to be uh, – uh, I saw on my weather app it said that 80% chance of rain on Saturday. So hopefully uh, by the time we land in Charlotte, that rain goes out of there. One, one of the best things um, – I don't know if you're a big donut guy. But in the uh, Charlotte press box, they always have Krispy Kreme glazed donuts. So I always got to get at least one. Try not to do a whole, like, six-pack of them. Jason, you're supposed to lose weight this year, okay? This is a healthy year for you. I, you only get one donut, my man. Only I, one oh, donut. Oh, I try, I try to only do one. Yeah, I, I try to only do one. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, that is it's that impossible. is a – that's a, a nice little, you know, the, the Charlotte Stadium. That's kind of cool, actually. It's a very, very, from what I do, very easy stadium to work, which is uh, very, very nice for where our locker room is to where the, the our booth is to where we do the games. It's a, a very easy, but I'll be there. Uh, you know, Charlotte's a, a place I can, you know, obviously go to every year. And so uh, hopefully, uh, you know, walk, walk out of that stadium with a T-shirt hat and, uh, you know, it'll be playoff season. So hopefully uh, the Bucks can uh, punch their ticket to dance. Uh, are Texans, are, are they winning in? situation yeah they play the colts if, if we beat the colts we're in via the wild card and if we beat the colts and the jaguars lose we win the division so y'all 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 are a saturday game right yeah saturday night that's awesome yeah i'm sure i'll be uh i'll be checking that out on saturday night inside straw but uh how we're gonna wrap up this show is i did an interview earlier today with one of the men that's gonna be a part of the lights out championship 14 car that's gonna be next weekend january 13th you can watch that on spectation sports abe algus here i've had a chance to have him on the show he'll be taking on jerome featherstone in the main event of this fight car a lightweight matchup so that's how you're gonna end the show and of course myself and daniel we'll talk again to you next week we'll get you ready for that apex card and talk to about everything else going on in the world of mixed martial arts joining me now is one of the men that's going to be in the main event of lights out championship 14 come here on january 13th yeah that is next week as he is just uh, about 10 days out from this fight abe as always man appreciate the time and uh you know earlier on the show daniel and i were, were talking about uh, you know new year's re- resolutions and and obviously with a very mma based part part of this aspect since we are, are an mma show and kind of made me think about you are, are you a, a resolutions kind of guy or, or is it more would you describe it as like your it's you're more of about manifesting uh both i'd say both more man first of all thank you for having me on the show like always i appreciate you for having me on and yeah both like i manifested uh 
train every day. I'm just I'm just ready for next week, man. First main event. Uh, I've been co-main eventing the past three. Finally, I get to main event. Uh, it's a big fight. I respect my opponent and all that. And then we're going in. You know, some guys don't necessarily love fighting this type this kind this time of year. Because obviously, you know, you you go through the holiday season and, you know, you got those family events in in the month of November and December and, you know, into the new year. And they say, man, not really great for the diet. Uh, But for you, is it just like, man, this is this is a lifestyle I live 24-7? It is the lifestyle I live 24-7. I mean, uh, I fight on Saturday and then I'm back in the gym uh, on Monday. That's that's the lifestyle I live. Second of all, yeah, it sucked, to be honest. It sucked on the holidays, Thanksgiving, and then uh, Christmas and all that. And uh, I, I just want a couple more before the contender series, which just starts in August. That's the plan, uh, me and my team. So we want a couple more before that. Hopefully we can get on that. Uh, that's the goal. That's why we're, like, pushing, 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 pushing. So pretty much the contender series is, is what you're manifesting for this year? 100%. And, I mean, look, you, you've now got an opponent here who was a part of the, the Combat Zone event last year, which was a part of, of Dana White's looking for a fight. And uh, he is an older fighter, uh, 39 years old. But, you know, one of the things that, that stuck out to me about Jerome, and I don't know if when you started taking the deep dive into him, you know, I, I love to go topology. And especially when we're talking about the regional scene of looking at that strength of schedule. And that to me was the thing that stuck out the most about him is, is this is a guy that his pro day, de- his MMA pro debuts against Matthew Schmelzberger got a victory in that one, uh, a loss against Robert Watley, which we've seen uh, in the PFL. And then uh, his most recent fight, the, the loss against Eddie George, which I know uh, Eddie is a highly talented prospect there in the Northeast scene. Was that kind of one of your initial thoughts of like, Wow, this guy, yes, he may be a little bit older in terms of, of this regional scene, but this is a guy who he wants to take on anybody, anytime, anywhere. Yes, 100%. He is that type of guy. That's why me and my team, like, this camp was we respect him, we respect where he comes from, we respect what he's bringing to the table, and then uh, I'm going out there. I'm ready for a 15-minute war. You know, you're, you're a guy that, that doesn't tend to do the 15-minute war. Uh, <laughs> is there a part of you that – I mean, obviously, you know, you don't get paid by the minute, but you know, there's some guys who say on the regional scene, like I want to have that 15 minute battle. I want to have that battle where I, I get that cage time in. Is that all part of the process? Uh, I mean, it is, and it's not, I, I just go out there. Uh, I'm not going to say I don't look for the finish. Everybody looks for the finish. I do look for the finish. Uh, but no rushing. Like even if something if something pops up and I don't have it, I'm I'm not taking it. I'm okay with going to fifteen minutes. There's no rush about. It. That's why I train for. It. That's what I'm like there to do is the fifteen minutes. If I can finish it less than that, then that's on me. You know, there's some fighters who say patience is one of the hardest things in this sport because you you know it's like you, you see ready you want to go out there. Yeah, I mean, was, what was there was there a point? And when you started fighting into where you're at now, where you felt like you did become a patient fighter inside the ring? Oh, yes, 100%, definitely. I've only been in decision once. It was uh, uh, when I was an amateur, I had an opponent. Uh, and then five days before the fight, uh, I got I was 3-0, and and then I got switched to someone that had almost 15 fights. So, that like, five days switch up, someone that has way more experience than me. I stepped in, and then uh, I went to decision with him. It was just not my night that night, but like we still got the win and we got the decision. But uh, yeah, it's it's another thing. Decision or a win is a win. Split decision, unanimous uh, submission, knockout, whatever it is. 
Like, obviously, they always talk about the, the learning lessons that you get in athletics. And, and we all want those learning lessons to come in victories. We don't we don't want that learning lesson to come when, when things don't go your way. Like, as you think about that fight, is that kind of like one of your biggest learning lessons of like, okay, I, I know there's going to come another point in my career where there's going to be a short nose. There's going to be a point that changes out. Or, or, maybe, or maybe it's even you that says, you know, some other guy pulls out of a fight and the promoter goes, hey, man, hey, but I got, I got an opportunity for you to step up here in five days' notice. Yeah, that, that's how the last fight went, actually, when I fought the co-main event. Uh, lights out 13, uh, eight hours before weigh I get a call, hey, your opponent is out. And then we had an opponent switch almost like 30 hours before the fight. And I just had that mentality: same job, same goal. That's the, that's what it, that's all that matters. Same job, same goal. Is that kind of uh, you know, something that 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 sticks with you on on the day in day out basis? One hundred percent. Yeah, because like for me, like in, we were talking about you know New Year's Eve, New Year's resolutions, and like a big thing for me is like taking it one day at a time. You know what? You know we love to look ahead. You know. A week from now, five weeks from now, five months from now. But like for me, it's like, hey, let's just take, take this thing one day at a time. Let's see what today brings and we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Same here. Like I have the goals. I have the goals set. Like I would like to fight uh, before Ramadan, right before Ramadan, before Ramadan starts. And then uh, hopefully after. And then like the goal is the contender series. But I'm not looking past January 13. I'm not even looking what I'm doing Sunday. The goal is January 13 and I'm lo- looking after that. When it is Ramadan, how does that change your your daily workout schedule? Uh, I mean, you're not drinking water uh, or food from sunrise to sunset, so basically, it's very hard to put a camp in there. Which is, I did that last year, and it kind of got me a little bit. And then, even though I was talking to the coaches the other day, and we we're saying uh, maybe get a fight like right end of Ramadan, and they were like, last year it didn't look so good, so I don't think we're going to do it this year. So that's why, like, it starts uh, March 10, and then it ends April 10. It's one month. Uh, would like to get back in there like before that or right after. Uh, we'll see how things goes, but the main goal is January 13. So, so during that time period, do you mainly just train at night? Uh, most likely, yes. Like I train closer uh, to sunset. So basically, I train and like whenever I'm done training, I can break my fist. Most of the time, I broke last year. I broke it here, like at the gym. And that that kind of makes me think about. I mean, obviously, I mean, clearly the motivation is about next week, but like. There could be an opportunity that comes up during that time frame. Maybe it's this year, next year. How how, do, how would you evaluate that decision? Still same. Like I said, this is, if if I get the let's say we get the call middle of uh, Ramadan, end of Ramadan, and then we're in shape, we're ready to go, which is most of the time we're like that. Then we're taking it. I'm I'm that type of guy where it's go time. Exactly. Now, now, in terms of Jerome, he has a boxing resume to him. Um, is that kind of your me- mentality for this one, that you just kind of feel like he's just going to want to sit there and stay in trade with you? I, I respect him everywhere. I mean, the guy, uh, he's a wrestler too. He's an old wrestler. Uh, and then uh, he's a boxer. He, he's well-rounded. I'm not going to say that. And then the thing is, he has experience. He's older than me, all that stuff. I'm only 22, and then I haven't been in the game for two years. Do you believe he's one of the most well-rounded guys that you've competed with to this point? Uh, yes, he's very up there. Yes, yeah. Like, it, I mean, I I think that when you when you're someone like himself who's been around this game for a long time, I I don't think you there's going to be a, a, a ton of surprises. But it, it, in the back of your mind, are you sitting there thinking, okay, you know what, maybe maybe he's not going to come out here and just try to have a stand-up battle with me? 
Yeah, I mean, whatever the fight goes, we're ready. The, we, we like we're ready striking. We're ready on the ground. We're ready everywhere. We're whatever he wants to take the fight. That's where we uh, plan. I would like to set the pace. I would like to do everything. Uh, well, I'll be ready January thirteenth. That's all I'm gonna say. That's, that's how it goes. Like, like when you think about yourself of where you were back on September thirtieth as a, as a martial artist. And to where you see yourself now. I mean, obviously, you're making drastic improvements week in and week out. I mean, you mentioned you're only 22 years old. Like, is there something you notice in yourself now that maybe you didn't notice back in September? It's just, man, the training camp keeps getting harder and harder. Like, I thought I got to a point at the gym where, like, oh, now I'm getting used. Because it was, like, maybe uh, my last amateur and then my pro debut and then suddenly the coaches flipped because we took the number one uh, Ohio guy, and then we fought him. I was number one in Michigan. He was number one in Ohio. We fought him, second pro fight. And then I was like, damn, they changed on me. Now it's a different camp. And then the September 30th camp, it was the same thing as the last guy. So I'm like, okay, we're back to the normal schedule. And then this one kicks in. It's a whole different camp. Like, these guys don't take it easy. Do you find yourself that that you're pushing yourself to, to this different level with making it harder or, or do you feel like it's 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 everyone involved in this situation that they just know like the right buttons to push out of you to get to get that best of you on a Wednesday afternoon so so like like I, I push myself to the limit but then there's there's uh, like coach Tony and then Ali and then Anthony and then Khalil uh, they push me to a whole another level like like I'll be almost done and then suddenly out of nowhere I have another win that's like getting me going, and then, like that's what that's what all makes a difference out there. In terms of like, is there is there something those guys? Is it more their actions, or did, did it, is there maybe a little friendly trash talk uh, inside the room to get you a little motivated? I mean, uh, I respect those guys so much, man. Like even when I go with them, there's that respect line that I can't cross. Uh, mm-hmm. Like even like they they all still compete. They all do that. Uh, even the, like the coaches do. So I go with them and there's that respect line, which is I'll never cross. So it's that respect. Like they, they say something. Yes, sir. There's no other choice. There's not like I'm tired. There's none of that. You mentioned about the fact of, you know, you're, you're a guy that after a fight's over, you take a day off and you're right back into the gym on Monday morning. Do you have a, like, like I always talk about, like I'm a creature of habit. Like I, you know what I, you know, I, I do the same things week in and week out. Like, are you a creature habit after the fight is over? Like, do you sit there and say, you know what, I'm going to have a certain cheat meal or, or, you know, that's the biggest fights between me and my coaches is the, like the weight and then uh, the cheat meals and stuff. But right, right away, like I take maybe two weeks off, off of that. uh, Like I'm, I'm still training, but I'm like eating whatever I want. Then I'm back on diet and then back to the same schedule after that. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know if you saw the the photo on Instagram with Patty Pimblett, you know, what two th- two three weeks after his fight. I'm like, good lord. I mean, I'm pretty close to that to be honest. After my fights, but still training. That's what that's what keeps it like on the good side. Like, like is there ever a party like your coaching staff that says, "Hey, man, Abe, we want you to take a week off." I mean, we've had that, but. Like, like I got a call uh, after September 30th from my coach because I came in and I started training because uh, my brother was fighting three weeks after the fight. Mm-hmm. And then so I kept coming in to help my brother out. And then they called me and they're like, hey, you got to take like at least three, four days off. I took one day off and then I went back to training. I just made him forget about it. Uh, and then my brother ended up not fighting uh, his opponent, missed weight, and then didn't show up. 
so now he's actually having his first amateur fight uh, on the lights out card. He opens the card. I close the card. So, I mean, that's going to be a long day for, for the family. Yes, hundred percent. He he's the first fight on the card. I'm uh, like I'm the main event, and that's how that's how it's gonna go. It's gonna be a good night. But have you have you thought about that? Like, okay, obviously there's gonna be the emotions. Like, I, it's countless how many fighters say like I'm way more nervous watching my teammates fight than, than I am. But then like, so he fights the first fight of the night. Are you and then are you just gonna sit back in the back and just kind of relax? Yes, that's the plan, which is, it's very hard, to be honest, because uh, it's his first fight. He's my older brother, like one year older, and it's only us two, like there's no other siblings. Uh, it's going to be hard missing his first fight, but uh, the goal is to go out there. Uh, I become 4-0 as a pro, he becomes 1-0 as an amateur, and then we get back and celebrate. See, the business mind of me sits there and thinks of like, that's a lot of tickets I'll be selling to get that commission. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, they, like... Uh, both off the gears on the same card, uh, all that, like, and I'm, I'm more even excited till like when the contender series shows up, I'll be the first Lebanese to ever go through the contender series. Do you and your brother maybe have a little friendly rivalry on who can sell more tickets? Uh, not really, to be honest. He knows I can sell more. He knows I can sell way more. Uh, cause he's, I mean, it's his first fight. Uh, is he going to have more fans by the time he's turning pro or oh, hundred percent because mm-hmm. everybody that's watching me uh right now on a real just they're gonna start watching him now now do you you and your brother go to battle inside inside the training room oh 100 percent. i push him to the limits if it, it, like he he's fighting on the amateur show i'm like i'm his main training partner that's how it goes do you see a lot of yourself where he's at now in his career or where when when you were at that point he's even better to be honest at the, at this point he's even better because the training he gets like uh so when i started like i didn't have no one to know the tricks the little stuff like about the weight cuts and about everything and now like i'm helping out through everything or if he needs something i know what like oh what works and what doesn't like the last weight cut he made weight everything with no opponent and then uh this one like same like we're basically on the same diet same everything uh so it helps him out a lot to be honest would you, would you say the weight weight cutting aspect is the hardest part of the fight game for you? Uh, I'd say yes. It, I mean, it's it's pretty close up there. The training is unreal. The train, the training, the push and the training is unreal. So it all makes up to it. Like you'll be in fight camp and you're like, I can't wait, I can't wait till the weight cut's here. Then the weight cut's here, and then you'll be like, oh, oh, fight camp was easy. So you can't really compare it to each other. They're both up there, very up there. That's awesome. That's awesome. As always, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. Good luck here in the main event, Lights Out Championship 14, June the 13th. Of course, everyone go over to Lights Out Championship Facebook page. Got all the information. If you're not in the area and you want to watch these fights via the internet pay-per-view, all that information is there. Hey, of course, uh, let everyone know that you can follow you on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? I appreciate you for having me on, man. Uh, social media is Abe the Killer Oscar on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, and Twitter. Uh, just give me a follow and then... Just stay tuned, man. It's going to be a good year.